0: Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This
1: is your icebreaker. A penguin walks into a bar, and he says to the bartender, has my brother been in here? And the bartender says, I don't know. What does he look like?
2: I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. I'm Rico Galliano, And from 89.3 KPCC in Los Angeles, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that helps you win your next dinner party. This week's icebreaker came from Tom Jones. Tom freaking jones so even though it's not quite funny it's the coolest joke you ever heard by the way he told us a funnier joke but let's just say he works blue later we'll be talking with our guest of honor david fincher director of the curious case of benjamin button but first as with any dinner party we start off with small talk
0: Going to be talking about this week's news at this weekend's party. Who better to tell you which news is worth bringing up than the people
2: who report it? So we took a spin around the American public media offices and talked to our colleagues. Phyllis Owens, commentary editor for Marketplace, what are
0: you going to be talking about at your dinner parties this weekend?
3: Well, this week, Brendan, for me, it's all about the cheese. The Italian government is buying 100,000 wheels of Parmigiano Reggiano and Grana padano cheese um, to give to the needy. There are growing numbers of people who need help in Italy, and also the Parmesan cheese makers are having problems right now. Let me get this straight. If
0: I'm unemployed in Italy, which is like 20% of the population, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get free Parmesan Reg- Reggiano?
3: Yeah, and it's a far cry from, you know, U.S. government cheese. <laughs> I was going to say it's...
0: <laughs> George Judson, Managing Editor of Marketplace, what are you going to be talking about at your dinner party this weekend? Stupid Christmas gifts. Fruitcakes?
3: It's a snowball making kit. <laughs> what is a snowball making kit? Well, imagine like two ice cream scoops put together and you hold the handles together and out comes a quote perfect snowball unquote. I was looking online, and they had reviews. And there were a number of fathers, for the most part, who wrote in and said, this is perfect. I bought my little Sammy one of these, and we spent hours that afternoon making snowballs and throwing them.
0: If little Sammy's dad really goes out with him while he's having a snowball fight, he's in for it. When dad's not around.
2: (laughs) Ben Adair, senior correspondent for Weekend America. What is your story of the week?
0: I've been thinking a lot about this Bernard Madoff guy, the guy who defrauded investors of $50 billion. How big a wallet would you need to put all that money in?
2: I don't know, but it, please tell me.
0: So the largest denomination bill we have in our currency is a $100 bill. You're going to need 100 dollars bills. And if you take the measurements of each one of those, do the math, you end up with 19,939 cubic feet, which is the size of... This Brazilian dredger, which you can buy today for $2,250,000. It's stationed in Brazil. You'll have to go pick it up. It was totally rebuilt in 2005. Very good condition. That's the wallet you're going to need.
2: So it should be really easy to spot this dude because he's walking around with a dredger hanging out of his pocket.
0: If you want to find that type of money lying on the street, you should start looking at the ports. And now, time for cocktails.
2: This is the part of the show where we tell you something that happened this week in history and then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it.
0: It's our super fantastic history lesson
2: with booze. First, the history. This week back in 1862, Ulysses S. Grant, Major General in the Union Army, issued his infamous General Order Number 11.
0: Now the folks at your dinner party will know Grant went on to become President of the United States. At least we hope they will. But they probably won't have heard of General Order Number 11. Thanks to our friend Michelle Philippi. You're about to.
4: The Union army helped free the slaves, but for a while they persecuted another minority, Jews. And just like slavery, it was all because of cotton. The North needed it, the South had it. So even though they were, you know, at war, Abe Lincoln okayed some cotton trading with the enemy. He put Grant in charge of regulating trade with three Southern states. Grant's problem, the area was crawling with cotton speculators, always begging him for cotton licenses. If they didn't get one, they'd just bribe union officials and trade without a license. Most of these black marketeers were Gentiles, but rumors abounded they were mostly Jews. And after Grant met some Jewish traders he thought seemed shady, he fired off General Order Number 11. It ordered every Jew in the area to pack up and leave. Longtime Jewish residents got just 24 hours to hit the road. Some had to walk 40 miles to evacuate. And when Honest Abe got word of what went down, he pitched a fit.
0: Sir, a paper purporting to be general orders issued by you has been presented here. It expels all Jews from your department. If such an order has been issued, it will be immediately revoked.
4: It was, and amazingly, American Jews didn't seem to hold a grudge. Most of them voted for Grant when he ran for president just six years later. He returned the favor, too, by appointing several Jews to federal office.
0: So that's the history. Now it's time for the booze. I'm on the line with Edward Winfield. He's the bartender at the old Seelbach Bar in downtown Louisville, Kentucky, one of the cotton states. So, Edward, you've heard the history... What cocktail does it inspire you to make?
5: Well, I went with some of the combined ingredients from the South as well as ingredients from the North. I combined an ounce of bourbon, obviously very Southern, very Kentucky, with uh, an ounce of applejack or apple brandy, which I know is popular up in the North. And a little, probably three quarters ounce of sugar or honey if it's available, topped with uh, hot water. So it's a good Hot revitalizing kind of drink.
0: You know, if you don't mind me saying, Edward, you have a really strange Kentucky accent. Yes,
5: yeah, it's it's, <laughs> uh, it's the weirdest combination ever. It's Northern England and Kentucky mixed. I moved here from England in '94. Been here ever since. So. What was
0: the uh, what was the biggest change for you when you moved here?
5: I would say just the just the mix of different people here. You know, I mean, I went to high school in England, it was all white and, you know, all pretty much the same, and then coming here, you know, more diverse population. So
0: it sounds like the Civil War worked out after all.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And Brendan, this is a song about another separation of North and South, the one in Korea.
0: I'm actually getting chills listening to this, because apparently the Union Army used to sing this exact song when they were going into battle. (laughs) If you want to find the recipe for our Civil War cocktail, or any other info from the show, it's on our cheat sheet at dinnerpartydownload.com.
2: Our guest of honor this week is David Fincher. He began his career making ads for Nike, then videos for Madonna, and then some feature films like 07, Fight Club. Zodiac, and most recently, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, which opens December 25th, Christmas. And David, why don't you tell us, what's the film about? You know, this is
3: a this is a hard one. I mean, I've spent a good seven years trying to distill this whole thing down. It takes me 45 minutes to pitch this movie. This is not a high-concept movie. I mean, I know that people like to say, well, it's about a guy who ages backwards, but... What does that mean to the rest of us who don't? I would say that the film is ironically based on the notion that youth is wasted on the young.
2: Well, the story of a man who is born old and dies young, there's this kind of fairy tale quality to it. But I think, as would be expected of you, (laughs) there's almost no sentimentality in the thing. Where does that come from? You've got this vision so dark that even the fairy tale has a kind of grit to it.
3: Those are the kinds of movies that I liked. I liked B-movies and I liked noir and I liked stuff that was a
2: little perverse and a
3: little sinister you know I liked things that were a little more sinister growing up
2: all right we have two questions that we ask of everybody who comes on the dinner party down though uh I'm gonna hate to not answer these questions (laughs) you're going to have to or you'll never leave this room the first one is what is the question and I hope to god I haven't asked it already that you are most sick of being asked
3: It was the first one. (laughs) Why are your movies so dark? But how could you have known that?
2: I guess I could have asked you this question first. (laughs) No, it was. No, it's fine. Now I give you the opportunity to do the exact opposite. Tell us something we don't know. About me? It could be about you, or it could just be like something nobody at our dinner party is going to possibly know.
3: I once made an offhanded comment about... Yeah, I can't go into that. That's not, I can't do that without naming names. It's funnier if you name
2: names. Any any Madonna stories? No. Brad Pitt? No. (laughs) What is it about your show that that I should... (laughs) Torpedo your entire career? These bridges, yeah, exactly. All right, maybe something from your youth, something that caused your parents' great alarm.
3: There's almost nothing that I did as a child that my parents didn't find alarming. You know, I used to build model rockets and actually fire them at the 101 freeway.
2: That's pretty good.
3: What, what happened? I'm not at liberty to discuss things. <laughs> I don't know what the statute of limitations is on sidewinder activity. We're
0: still looking for stories about Madonna. If you've got one, email it to us at dinnerpartyatkpcc.org.
2: So we've met our guest of honor. That brings us to the main course, the part of the show where we talk about food.
0: So, Rico, America's gooey love affair with mozzarella continues.
2: I love you, mozzarella.
0: <laughs> so last year, the hot restaurant on the West Coast was mazza dedicated to... Mozzarella. That's right. And this week in New York, a bar dedicated to mozzarella... Opened up. It's called Obika. Can we live there forever? I'm actually not allowed near the place. The restraining order I received (laughs) says I'm not allowed within 50 yards. What did
2: you do to the mozzarella?
0: I just gnawed on the waiter's wrist. My lord. (laughs) I was able to get close to Vito Girardi. I didn't bite him. But I did ask him a few questions. Now, most foodies and chefs regard him as the best mozzarella maker in America. I started off by asking him about his specialty. Well, tell me a little bit about the burrata, because that's one of your specialties, and that's an, kind of uncommon, or
1: or is it? Well, in the United States, I can say I introduced the burrata in the United States, because before I came here, nobody knew what burrata was. So. A- and
0: what is burrata?
1: Mozzarella filled with uh, shredded mozzarella inside and cream.
0: Unbelievable. It's like three layers of cheese.
1: Yeah, pretty much that's what it is.
0: As, have you, um, I, I think your, your mozzarella served at Matza and some other popular mo- restaurants.
1: Yeah. Yes, correct. Pizzeria mozza use my mozzarella. Jar restaurant, they do the, some mozzarella buffet or something like that.
0: How do you feel about this fame of being, uh, you know, these popular restaurants choosing your mozzarella over all the others?
1: I mean, I don't want to become a millionaire, uh, just doing for a living. <laughs> a mozzarella millionaire. It's a possibility, though. Well, everything can be possible, but uh, see I'm not trying to expand too much. matter of fact, I started in 1993. I even took one day vacation off.
0: So you haven't taken a vacation in 15 years? Yeah. Oh
1: my goodness. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I don't mind because I love my job.
0: Do you ever go to Mozza or any of these restaurants and see people enjoying your mozzarella and take a certain pride in that?
1: Uh, Sometimes. No, to Mozza, I've never been. We were supposed to go there, but there was uh, some uh, six months leading time for a reservation. Even for you? Yeah, even for us, the only ticket reservation for six people, we were eight, so we had to wait another six months and we canceled, but we're definitely going to go.
0: That's amazing, though. You're like the, the king of mozzarella, and you have to wait for
1: a table like the rest of us. Well, I mean, that doesn't make me special. Besides, I have a wife which cooks very well, so I like my wife's food.
2: <laughs> and that's the Dinner Party Download for this week. Thanks to our researcher, Jessica Dial, Stephen Hoffman, the KPCC web team, and Tom Freakin' Jones.
0: Thank you also to John A. Lincoln, raby and Queen of Kim. You should check out their show Off-Ramp at
2: kpcc.org. We leave you as always with One for the Road, a song to play on your way to or departing from this weekend's dinner party. Now we used to play the whole
0: song, but since we've been named one of iTunes' top podcasts of 2008...
2: If we do say so ourselves. (laughs) Ever since that time, we've been meeting a lot of people. Uh, Uh, Including our company's lawyer. So here's exactly 30 seconds of a song from the band Lowe. It's called Just Like Christmas. Bon Appetit. and that's it. Not all right with you, Esquire? Good work, gentlemen.
0: Nice bow tie.
2: What? Nothing.